0: came up to me before um, I was getting, you know, getting ready to preach here, and she said that she had an encouragement um, that she wanted to share, so come on up, Lorraine, and um, I, just, I just thought what she said was just so great, so just genuine and wonderful. Lorraine, why don't you just go ahead and, and just tell everybody what you were just telling me. Come up here so everyone can see you online, too. Okay. I just want to say I believe that this church is going to be rocking Soon, And I think the Holy Spirit is just going to release people. There will be words of knowledge and there will be praising and extra extra special things are going to happen, I believe. Amen. Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you for having the boldness to come and share that encouragement. Yeah, you know, when she came up and said, I think this place is going to get rocking. People are just going to be released and there's going to be, you know, words of knowledge and different gifts of the Spirit. I was like... I could repeat that, but I'd love for you just to share that. Isn't that great? So you know, this is a place we wanna create a culture where people are welcome to share. It's not just, you know, Pastor Andrew says and does everything. This is a this is a team. And, um, and so thank Lorraine for, you know, having the boldness to come and show that. I'm excited for that, too, because there's been different words throughout the year, even leading up before this ever began, about a work in Waterford, um, like a wave, as you know, Pastor Isaiah was saying, like a wave of ministering angels going out into the community. In many ways, the word, you know, angel means messenger, and we're all messengers of the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so... The word's going out and it's changing lives so I'm so glad that you're here today I'm just going to get my notes all set up here and we're going to be returning to uh, Matthew chapter 8. Um, I don't know if anyone's been reading the passage but as this week as even doing a devotional I thought my goodness could you imagine what the scene would have been like a leprous man you know his, his world is completely turned upside down As such a great and powerful way in a moment in time. And so I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 8. We think that we've been able to get the verses up here uh, last second. I think, I think they're going to work. So just uh, Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, it says here that uh, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The title for today's today's message is this, Jesus' authority is with us as a testimony to others. Jesus' authority is with us as a testimony to others. Look right here at the end of verse 4. He says, Go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that is required of you as a testimony to them. This is something I just couldn't get past as I was studying and preparing for today. Our life, each of our respective lives, are a testimony of the grace of God. We're not meant to live it in secret. We're not meant to live it in the closet, if you will. We're meant to live our faith boldly and expectantly and with faith that if God, as God moves in our life, he's moving not only so he, t- he touches our life and ministers to us and that we can experience him personally, but so that can shift into the public square. And so many ways we saw even last week, we saw this authority of Jesus to speak healing over this man's, this man's life, and in many ways the gospel is being fulfilled. He told the apostles of John the Baptist, listen, you can tell John, he can rest assured the Messiah is here because, you know, the lame walk, lepers are healed, dead, the dead are being raised. And so here we see, just to do a quick recap, we see this man, he's been defined by his skin disease. Up until this very moment, he's been a social outcast. It's very apparent there would have been various bumps and lumps, not a pleasant sight. Now, today's world, only about 100 people contract leprosy in the United States, about 2,600 in the world. Thankfully, it's curable. But in this time, as we said last week, Jesus was the medicine. Jesus was the cure. And so up until this moment, he had no social contact. He was void of personal touch and warmth of the community. They wouldn't come near him because it's just like, kind of like with COVID with the droplets and such. If you came into contact with him, if those droplets from this individual came in contact with you, you could contract leprosy. But now everything changed by the power of Jesus, the word coming forth from him saying, I am willing, be made clean. So I want to encourage us with that word today that Jesus' authority is not only life-giving, but we carry that authority with us as a testimony to others. And so takeaway point, first number one is Jesus changes our identity. When we come to faith in Christ, whatever our identity was, it is now made new. It's brand spanking new. He goes, this man goes before the council, he offers the gifts required. We're going to get there in a few minutes. But you could imagine the crowd saying, wait a second, we know this man. This this leprous man, wait a second, he's now clean? And he's able to offer this testimony and go through the process and share the power of the gospel, the good news that is Jesus Christ. That's why the apostle Paul, we know he went through much. We know that he was stoned, he was left for dead, he was shipwrecked twice. And the same Paul that people wanted to get him said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. In Romans chapter one, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the very power unto God for salvation. First for the Jew and then for the the Greek also. He goes on to say in verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Think about it. This man came before Jesus and said, If you're willing, you can make me clean. He approached his he approached Jesus, who came down from the mountain in faith. You can make me clean. And just think whatever needs that you have today in your life, when you approach Him and say, Jesus, you can intervene in my life. I believe, I have faith in your authority. I recognize who you are. You're above all life, you created everything. Your word says that everything within you is held together and sustained. You can do the impossible. Do you believe He can do the impossible? That's what we were believing for, praying for, and worshiping about on Friday night. You know, believing that God can touch lives. And more than just physical healings, healing can be and spread into so many facets of life. Healing in our thought life, healing in our family units and dynamics, because we live in a fallen and broken world. And yet there is hope. Paul tells the Corinthians this in 2 Corinthians 5:17. I know you know this first so well. If anyone is in Christ, you can go ahead and say it. He is a new creation. The old is gone, and see the new has come. You don't have to look any further than seeing that this man who's been cleansed, something new has begun. He's not the same dude. I don't know if you noticed, when he steps into the council room, you can imagine they're like, yep, he has no more lumps. Yep, there's no more sores. And yet you can see people are probably standoffish. And yet, at times, maybe because fear of change or because we've become so wrapped with our, those identities that we've created for ourselves, maybe we don't fully at times lean into this new creation reality. Sometimes maybe we prefer the old. But Jesus is telling us here, I am willing I'm willing and able to intervene in your life. And as I was reading this story in my own devotional time, I wrote this, discipleship involves life transformation. If you don't think your life will ever be changed, you're not engaged in discipleship. If you think your life is just gonna remain the same, you come to Jesus as you were, and not one ounce of who we are, our identity, change it, doesn't change, then that's a facade. We're being deceived. But discipleship is about life transformation. Jesus is showing us here to expect transformation. But you notice here again at the end of verse 4, he says, Go and show yourself to the priest. He's now going to go before the council. They're going to see Christ at work in him. They're going to ask him, Well, what happened? What happened? And so he goes from outsider to insider. We like insider information. Could you imagine as he goes before the priests and he explains, well, I went to Jesus. He came down from the mountain and I went before him and I said, If you're willing, you can make me clean. And you know what he said? I'm willing. Be made clean. You can imagine some skeptical people maybe thinking, Well, that's it? Like he didn't go through the you know 25-step process in Leviticus 14. He just said, That's it? I'm willing, you're clean? Yes. Imagine how simplistic it is. That's, that's the power of the gospel. Sometimes we complicate it. Jesus moves in our life today. And at times it's very simple as if there's a need in someone's life you can just say in the name of Jesus sickness be removed. It doesn't have to be dressed up and being like you know in the name of the creator of the heavens and the earth according to the great majesty of your name. You don't have to dress it up. Life, our life, is for the purpose of worship and testimony. That's is what is Jesus is getting at. This man's life is not only never the same again, it's now a living testimony. Living testimony. Do you believe you're a living testimony of God's grace? I know that I'm a living testimony of God's grace. I know man, my, my father-in-law mother-in-law are here too. They can testify I'm a testament of God's grace. They've gotten to know me over these last 12 years or so, right? There's God's grace there. <laughs> It's true. Think about this takeaway, that when we embrace the various life events and processes in life, sometimes we have to go through processes. But don't fidget over them. Just go through those processes because God can be glorified in those steps that you take. This man could have said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm clean. I'm not going anywhere near that council. They want nothing to do with me when I was a leper. I'm staying clear of that place. There was obedience. He went. He went. And he shared. And it became the seed that was sown. So Jesus says this, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So there's two things happening here. He's telling him to go. The man goes in obedience. Now rightfully so, Jesus doesn't want him talking to a bunch of people for various reasons. One of them is he has not; it's not yet his time to be persecuted to the point of going to the cross. But most importantly, he knew that this man needed to be reconnected with his community. And the community wouldn't accept him without this official stamp of approval, if you will, by the priests. He had to go through this process. And just think as he goes, this man is fulfilling what Jesus promised at the very beginning of his Sermon on the Mount. He said, Do not misunderstand why I've come. I have not come to abolish the law or that of the prophets, but to fulfill. Think about that. He's not this rebel. I was watching this newscast the other day in the States, and I love a lot of things that happen in the States. I'm just going to be honest. There are a lot of very passionate believers, and sometimes they can get it mixed with patriotism and such. Nonetheless, one of them said, well, Jesus was the greatest rebel alive. We got to be like Jesus. And I'm like, no, that's not who he was. He wasn't a rebel. He was... Life and truth. Truth and life, not rebel. He didn't say, I'm the way, the rebel. You know? He didn't say that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so he's not bucking the process, he's fulfilling the process so they no longer have to go through this 25 step ordeal to be made clean. Embrace the process. By embracing the process, this this man's life became a living testament. So let's go to uh, Leviticus 14 for a moment because Jesus is showing us that he's about to fulfill another scriptural requirement. Throughout scripture, we see so many places about the prophesied Messiah and what he would do. And so he's healing lepers, he's healing the sick, the lame are walking. And now he's going to fulfill this purification that we all so desperately need. And so Leviticus 14 specifically speaks to skin diseases and the process to go through to be made clean. So it might seem a little dry, but I don't want to miss anything. So we're going to go through it together. You're going to see some incredible foreshadowing. And I believe if you open your hearts to see what's happening here, you'll see how, my goodness, Jesus does everything on purpose. Everything. So keep a note right here at the beginning of verse 1. It says, the Lord, capital Lord, means Yahweh, so there's no mistake, God, spoke to Moses. So this isn't Moses having some wacky dream saying it's the Lord. This is the Lord speaking to Moses. This is the law concerning the person afflicted with a skin disease on the day of his cleansing. This is Leviticus 14:1 through 9. He is to be brought to the priest who will go outside the camp and examine him. If the skin disease has disappeared from the afflicted person, the priest will order that two live clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for one who is to be cleansed. Then the priest will order that one of the birds be slaughtered over fresh water in a clay pot. He is to take the live bird together with the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn, the hyssop, and dip them all into the blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. He will then sprinkle the blood seven times on the one who is to be cleansed from the skin disease. He is to pronounce him clean and release the live bird over the open countryside. The one who is to be cleansed must wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and bathe with water. He is clean." Afterward, he may enter the camp, but he must remain outside his tent for seven days. He's to shave off all his hair again on the seventh day. His head, his beard, his eyebrows, the rest of his hair. He's to wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. He is clean. We're not done yet. Go verse 10. On the eighth day, he must take two unblemished male lambs, an unblemished year-old lamb, a grain offering, of six quarts of fine flour mixed with olive oil, and one-third a quart of olive oil. The priest who performs the cleansing will place the person who is to be cleansed together with these offerings before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. The priest is to take one male lamb and present it as a guilt offering along with the one-third quart of olive oil and he will present them as a presentation offering before the Lord. Now look at verse 19. The priest is then to sacrifice the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from his uncleanliness. Afterward, he will slaughter the burnt offering. The priest is to offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. The priest will make atonement for him, and he will be clean. And then in verse 30, now this is speaking if the person is unable to afford what's required when they come into the temple. He says this, He is then to sacrifice one type of what he can afford, either the turtle doves or young pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering, sacrificing what he can afford together with the grain offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement before the Lord for the one to be cleansed. This is the law for someone who has a skin disease and cannot afford the cost of his cleansing. This is the word of the Lord. This is what is required if you have a skin disease. Jesus knew this. This man knew this. The council, the priests knew this. And yet with two words he said I am willing be clean. But all these steps still have to be fulfilled. Look at these similarities it speaks of for this purification the noteworthy pieces we have a living sacrifice these turtle doves these pigeons there can be no substitutes. Well who is Jesus to us? He is the sacrificial lamb. There is no substitute for the, the offering that he brings, the sacrifice that he offers atonement for all sin, for redemption and purification. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says this, love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In Romans 3.25 it says that God presented him at the appointed time to be the atoning sacrifice to be received by faith. That his blood would be shed for us. And then going forward and, and hearing about this, this fresh water that, you know, and everything's mixed together and dipped in the blood. You know what's interesting? Before Jesus even began his ministry, Claudia, you ready for this? Before he began, he went to the river Jordan, and who baptized him? John the Baptist cleansing him as a requirement of even of the law. Now you're saying, well, Jesus didn't have a skin disease. Well, we we know he didn't have a skin disease, but he's fulfilling scripture. That's why when he says to uh, John the Baptist in Matthew chapter three, he comes to him, and it says John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus says, allow it for now, John, Because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John allowed him to be baptized. And it says this, when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming down on him. And a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Remember, Jesus said, "My nourishment, my pleasure, comes from doing the will of my Father, who sent me into the world, to do His will." He's fulfilling these these requirements of the Word, the requirement of God's law that is holy and righteous. The Word says, and then we have this hassop plant. I thought this was kind of neat. A hyssop plant was used for medicinal purposes for many ages. It's a herb-like substance. It's very uh, uh, aromic in nature. Um, and what's interesting is when Jesus was on the cross, when things are being fulfilled, he said, I thirst, I thirst. And John 19, 28, he says, I'm thirsty. And then a jar full of sour wine was there. And so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We have the sacrifice of which there could be no substitute. We have the lamb that is to be slaughtered, the, the atoning sacrifice that's done over the fresh water, the cleansed. Jesus says in John chapter 4, verse 13, that I'm the living water. Whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never thirst again. The water that I give him will become like a well springing up in him for eternal life. These were all the pieces that were necessary to fulfill the law of God, for purification to be a reality going forward. And look how it said in, in Leviticus, Leviticus 14. We didn't miss it. It says, it's all dipped together, all together, in the blood of that sacrifice as it was slaughtered over fresh water. The Bible said that his, his blood was shed for our redemption. Without the shedding of blood, the word says, there can be no forgiveness some people teach out there that Jesus didn't have to shed his blood, that God never required any kind of, any kind of um, regulations in this regard, but he did. It says, the Lord, Yahweh, said to Moses, here's the process. It's important because we need to realize how much we fall short of the glory of God and therefore how much we need him. Without him, we go through an incredible price that we cannot pay. We don't have the storehouse adequate enough to fulfill the necessary requirements. Thank God! Could you imagine if each of us had to live in such a way? Isaiah, you and I would both have like a um, you know a, a, a shed of you know like a farmhouse of all these lambs and animals and turtle doves and pigeons and all kinds of things, which we couldn't afford. But then Jesus enters the scene. I'm willing. Be made clean. Think about those words, I'm willing. Beyond this man's healing, he's foreshadowing. He was willing not only to do it for this man, but for all of humankind. Certified through the work of the cross. And look at John chapter 19, verse 31. After Jesus had died, the the religious leaders wanted to make sure that he was dead. And so it says the soldiers came and broke the legs of each man on the other two crosses that were crucified with Christ. And it says when they came to Jesus, they didn't have to break his legs. They noticed that he was already dead. But the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once blood and water came out. This is very important because that Levitical part speaks about this mixing of water and blood all mixed together. It says then it came and was poured out out. It says this, he who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true and he knows he is telling the truth. For these things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Also another scripture says they will look at the one they pierced. Through that piercing, we have our forgiveness. We have our Covering, We have our atonement. We have our redemption. We have our purification. This is something, as I was reading through this, I thought, Ron, I thought, oh my goodness. Jesus really does do everything on purpose. The very authority of heaven, Jesus was in the know. He was there at the very formation of the world. He and his father weren't at odds with each other. There wasn't this battle of Jesus coming and correcting all these falsehoods about his dad. But they were of one accord, one mission, one purpose, to redeem all of creation. And what I love about John, one of the disciples, the beloved follower of Christ, to make sure there was no missingness, no mistake, that this, in fact, was the Christ, and he's done all of this, and he'll do this for you also. He says this in First John 5, 5, who's the one who conquers the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God, Jesus Christ. He's the one who came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit also who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. So anytime you look to the Word of God and you say, you know what, I think I'll just jettison the entire Old Testament, not even give it a second look, don't do that. Because the very Word has been fulfilled. we can look at it and see how great and awesome our, who our God is. That he is faithful and true to do what he says that he will do. And John goes on to say this. The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within him. Think about it as you maybe even hold yourself for a moment. This testimony is within me. The one who does not believe God has made him to be a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son, amen. Amen. So just think, all this that happened, the very requirement, see that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to many. This guy was setting things in motion, the testimony that not only he would share, but what would happen that once Jesus was crucified, poured out the most important sacrifice, the atonement that was necessary, that once he was raised, the debt came out of their tombs, and the gospel message went forth, leading us to today while we wait for the return of our lord the proof of his authority is undeniable each one of you have a testimony of what he's done in your life because jesus was pierced for our rebellion the bible says crushed for our iniquities you can be made whole think about jim those issues and pains you had earlier in your life how He's able to minister to you because of what he went through when I was going through cancer, he was able to heal me to wholeness because of what he went through. Each one of you, even, um, Flora, the plays report for yourself. You're able to receive that and that authority of his name because of what he's done. And by faith, you approach him, not through this religiosity saying like, I go through the motions today, but you're believing in faith that God who spoke still speaks and that he's faithful. He's faithful. His authority is with us to be a testimony to others. So think about today as the worship team comes, we're going to go to a time of communion. Think about this awesome relationship we have, this personal connection. It is so personal that Jesus said, I'm willing to do what's necessary for you and I. He held nothing back. He poured out his very life for us so that we could be made whole. And so before Jesus went to the cross, he was speaking to his followers in John 13. And he began to pour water into a basin. And he began washing the disciples' feet and drying them. And you know who asked the question? It was Simon Peter. He says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing for you, you don't realize now. But afterwards, you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. But then Jesus replied, If I don't wash you, you will have no part of me. Think about that for a moment. Jesus loved the world so much, especially his own kingship, if you will, his own people. And yet he knew that many of his own folk would not receive him would not recognize his authority, which means they would not be insiders, they would be on the outs. They'd be outsiders. They would be excluded from the promise. But his heart wept for them as he approached Jerusalem going to the cross. He said, oh, how I weep for you, oh, Jerusalem. He knew there would be those who would accept his message and those who would not. And so you have to appreciate here, we know so much about Simon Peter. When he approaches him and asks the question, he says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, If I don't cleanse you, if you don't allow me to do this for you, you can have no part of me. That's why it's so important that we believe in faith that Jesus, you are the Son of God and that you died for my sins. It's not this process of being resaved every week, okay? But it's this acknowledgement that without Him, we couldn't afford it. We didn't have enough pigeons and turtle doves and lambs and all these sorts of things. We couldn't afford it. were, We're more than broke but he took care of it all. And it said, when Jesus had washed their feet, he put on his other clothing. He reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. And so here today, as a great reminder and encouragement, so it doesn't feel like a funeral, because it's not a funeral. Jesus he's he's risen this tremendous reality, this hope that we have, hope for today, is that we believe by grace through faith that we are saved, we are redeemed, we've been atoned for, we're in right relationship with God. No one can take that away from us because of what Jesus has done. And so I'm going to invite you to take the emblems here that we have uh, together. When it says here in 1 Corinthians 11.23, the Apostle Paul says this, for I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's just take these next few moments. Maybe Claudia engaged the pad there and break the bread Symbolizes his broken body for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, thank you for your broken body. Thank you that you gave your life so that we could be made whole. Just take a few moments to thank him for that broken body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I couldn't afford the price. couldn't afford it. Thank you, you paid the price for me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it And remembrance of me. Let's drink of his precious reminder of this blood that was shed for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, through your shed blood that we have forgiveness the redemption for our sin, our rebellion. You've cleansed us. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a few moments to thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What a cost. Thank you, Jesus. He says this, for as often as you eat this bread, and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment. On himself Heavenly Father thank you for your broken body, your shed blood and the sealing of the new covenant that it is a reality for us today Lord I thank you through faith that we're found in you, Lord we do not come under judgment but your word says we pass from death to life because we realize through you and you alone you're the only atonement for our rebellion you're the only needed sacrifice once and for all We look to no one else. We know our hope is within you. Thank you for that hope. Take a few moments just to thank him for that hope. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for that hope that we have. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we're excitedly looking for the day of your return on the last day. Friends, church, the Bible says that on the last day, day of the lord that our savior will come on the clouds with his mighty angels with blazing fire glory and honor and to gather all who believe in his name and will be caught up into the air which means rapture to be with him evermore all because of what he's done hallelujah isn't that wonderful everything that he's done and so worship team I'm going to invite you to lead us as we sing. He is our, whatever song it is, thank you, Jesus. You are our King. Thank you, Jesus.